been an interesting week uh, this week. This week, 20 years ago on Friday, uh, this church, LifeGate Bible Baptist Church, sent me over to Scotland. Now, some of you remember that, some of you don't, you are a bit newer maybe, but 20 years ago on Friday, the church got rid of me and sent me to Scotland. I think I was the first person to get sent out of church to another country maybe, I don't know. But uh, I was a heroin addict, I came to the church a long time ago, needing help, and uh, lived with the O'Gormans, and, uh, and then the church... Uh, 20 years ago on Friday, the 11th of December, sent, pastor brought me over to Scotland, over to a place called The Haven. The church bought me a new suit. Do you remember that? Some of you might remember. It's the same suit, is it? I'm wearing now because I'm slightly, slightly bigger now than I was back then. I have gotten taller. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, but uh, the church bought me a new suit, and they bought me a King James Bible, uh, the O'Gormans did, and they sent me over to Scotland, uh, where uh, I went to a place over in Scotland, and uh, they, they helped me to get right with God, and, uh, and I got right with God, and God changed my life. But you know what? Uh, life key was an essential part, and the O'Gormans and used as a church. Uh, even Bethany, when she was in Sunday school, wrote me letters when I was over in Scotland, I remember. Just so you know, Bethany, I still have those letters. They are in my, they are in my attic in the do, do not throw out stuff. Uh, I remember those things. Those things were a help to me. Uh, but you know what? I went away uh, to get help. I needed help to grow in my faith. You know, what was going to keep me and what has kept me over these 20 years uh, hasn't been willpower. Willpower won't keep you clean. Willpower won't keep you right. It certainly wasn't changing uh, where I lived because I actually came back to Ireland. Uh, it certainly wasn't just changing my friends because when I come back to Ireland, um, I've seen many of my friends get saved and, and get right. So what was it? Well, it was a grown faith. It was a, a faith that uh, got to the place where I was able to trust God with my daily living, with my daily choices, and you know, when I began that journey, that LifeGate was such a part of uh, starting off uh, all those years ago, you know, um, the people around me were just directing me towards faith-based recovery. I needed God, and God would free me from my addiction. Now, I didn't really understand that at the time. I'd never heard of stuff like that before. But somehow, Pastor O'Gorman was absolutely convinced that God was the only one that could help me get free from my heroin addiction. And I had lots of other addictions too, as Mrs. O can confirm. Um, so, Pastor was convinced. Why was Pastor so convinced that God could do that uh, in my life? Because Pastor believes the Bible. And the Bible teaches that God can make men free and he can change lives and he can keep people free. God doesn't just save us and then it's up to ourselves to kind of keep going and do as well as we can and live as holy as we can. No, God wants to save you and then he wants to keep you and help you to grow as a Christian. Um, the Bible says this in Romans 6.14. It says, For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law but under grace. Uh, so sin shall not have dominion. What does that word dominion mean? Power, control. And you know what? For a long time, if you looked at my life, you would have seen the power of sin controlling my life. And you know what? You've probably seen that in your own life, in your own life where sin seems to have dominion over you, have control over you at times. But it doesn't have to. 
When you get saved, sin loses its power over you. You're under a different law. But let me encourage you. Uh, you can live successfully free from uh, the strongholds that sometimes we struggle with. Can we live sin-free? I don't know anybody that can. One day when you get to heaven, you'll be able to, but not until then. We still have two people inside us, and there's one, one part of us that wants to do the right thing, and then there's another part of us that wants to do the wrong thing. And, you know, it's that battle. But you know what? You overcome those battles by growing your faith, by trusting the Lord and walking with him. You know, um, the key to a life of faith is trust in Jesus, but trust in him not just with certain parts of your life. Let me encourage you. You need to trust Jesus with all of your life. It can't be just in the religious aspect of life that we trust God. God needs to infiltrate every area of your life, from relationships to habits to TV to what you listen to to what you do to the friends you keep, the places you go. God needs to infiltrate your life so that your life is not just about, I do Christianity, but I am a Christian. And because that I live a certain way and I do, a cer- I do things in a certain way, God always makes a difference in somebody's life. And you know what? If you will walk with God and you will build your faith and you'll live a life of faith, what you're going to find is you will find that God is always faithful. And he can always be trusted. And he will never let you down. And he will never disappear. He will always be there. You know, um, a walk with God needs to affect our daily lives. So what we're going to look at uh, today, this morning, is we're going to look at a few verses. If you have your Bible, turn to Romans 1.17 with me for a minute. Romans 1.17. You know, as Christians, I believe we all desire to have a stronger walk with God. We want to have a stronger faith. At times, don't we look at people who seem to have a strong faith, and we admire them for their strong faith. And we think to ourselves, man, I wish I was more like that. I wish I could trust God like that. You know what, we read books sometimes and and hear stories of people that under the most horrific circumstances were able to find a way to trust God in those difficult moments. You know, true success is determined by our ability to walk by faith, grow in faith, uh, and uh, Romans 1.17 says, For therein is right, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. You see, we need to be living this, walking this daily walk of faith with God. We need to be a people who live by faith. And when we live by faith, that faith will be shown in our daily lives. You know, the Bible is full of examples for us. As a matter of fact, when you start looking for examples of people who had difficulty and, and overcame because of the faith that they had, you know, there's so many that it becomes hard. You have to pick certain ones out. So I'm going to give you a few uh, before we get right into the message. The first thing I want to look at is uh, we're going to Abraham. You're just going to point them out. We'll come back to him in a while. But Abraham, what happened to Abraham when God asked him to sacrifice his son? You know, there's a story in the Bible about Abraham, and he is told to go sacrifice his only son. And it's going to be a picture of what God done with Jesus for man's sin on the cross. But you know what? Abraham went, and he trusted God, and by faith he picked up that knife about to strike his only son when God told him to stop. 
you know what? In our lives, we need to just obey what God would want us to do. What about Job? You know, Job lost everything he had, including his faith. What's the only thing that Job didn't lose? His wife, his complaining wife, isn't it? Um, and why was that? Why was the devil able to take all the different stuff from Job but wasn't able to take his complaining wife? Because when they got married, the two became one and the devil wasn't able to, to harm Job, so he wasn't able to harm Job's wife. You know, Job was a man who had great faith. And he went through the most horrendous circumstances. But at the end, he trusted God all the way through that. What about Noah? What about Noah's faith when he was building the ark and everybody mocked him to scorn? Nobody listened to him. Nobody believed his preaching. Nobody believed the, the witness that he gave that God was going to judge the world. What about Joseph when he was thrown in prison? What happened to him when his brother sold him into slavery and then he, he ended up getting put into prison because he was falsely accused of a crime? You know what? His faith saw him through. He never turned against God. You know what? God had given him a dream. God had showed him that one day things were going to be different. And all through his life and the difficulties that he had, he was able to keep his faith. And he had a strong faith all the way through. And what an example he was. What about Moses? It happened to Moses when he, he led the children of Israel across the Red Sea. You know, the pressure of having to lead all those people uh, out of such slavery and difficulty in their lives. You know what? It took faith. And he didn't always have a strong faith. He wavered in his faith. He didn't even want to be called of God. He made every excuse for God to use somebody else. But God had called him. What about Joshua when he was told to go and circle Jericho and walk around it seven days? You know what? It seemed like the most ridiculous battle plan that you could ever imagine. But he was to trust God and walk by faith and do what God told him to do. And what happened to those walls of Jericho? They all came tumbling down. What about Elijah when he challenged the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel? He trusted God to make the difference. He stood there alone against uh, 750 prophets of Baal. But you know what? He wasn't alone. And even in our horrendous circumstances and situations and difficulties that we might have, we are never alone. You know what? Daniel was put in the lion's den. Can you imagine what, it, what faith it took for Daniel not to cry out for mercy and to cry out that he will bow down? You know what? What faith? You know what? What about Stephen? When in the book of Acts, Stephen, when he was being uh, stoned to death, all the way through, looking up to Jesus. Look, the faith he had. What about Paul during his many uh, hardships when he got locked up, when he was imprisoned, when he was beaten, when he was stoned, when he was shipwrecked? All the way through, he kept his faith and he kept going. And he got up and went again and again and again. You know what happens to us during the most uh, various times in our lives where we need to just trust God. You know why? Because it's amazing that sometimes God uses the most difficult circumstances in our lives to be the thing that grows us to be the believers and, and the, the Christians that he wants us to be. God never says it's going to be easy. And as I look back over my shoulder at the past 20 years and all that's gone on and all that's been done and all that God has done, it hasn't been easy. And there's been many heartbreaking moments along the way and, and many even recently. But you know what? God has always been there. 
And never at one point did I ever wonder where's God in the situation or where is God. God has always been there. And in your situation and in my situation, he is going to be there. You know what, if you want to look over the heroes of the faith, you find them in Hebrews chapter 11. What a great example they are. Um, but what we're going to do this morning is we are going to look at seven keys to great faith. Seven pointers in a sense that can help you grow in faith. You know, there are certain things that we can do that can help us along the road. And, uh, and this week, just the week that it's been for me, uh, I kind of, I suppose, learned some lessons myself in, in the way things are. Just by the way I reacted with it being the day that it was on Friday. You know, um, so let us um, crack on. Um, so some verses up there for you. Uh, sorry the thing is cut off, but we'll just go with it. So the first key that we're going to look at this morning uh, is um, we must have a, a thorough understanding of submission and authority. You know, on Friday morning when I got going, uh, we were working at my house on Friday doing some slabs, but I, I stopped in the morning and I spent some time messaging some people. Why did I message some people? Because on that day, uh, with it being such an important day, I suppose, I had some people that I needed to thank. Now, uh, for most of us, when we think of authority, there's a shiver goes down our spine and we think, oh no, not authority. Whether it's our boss, whether it's our teacher in school, whether it's our parents, whether it's whatever it is. But there are authorities in our life that God has placed there to help us move on in the faith and grow in faith. And on Friday, I got to send out some messages to thank uh, six people in particular about the importance that they played uh, in my journey with God uh, starting off all those years ago. Uh, one of them, Mrs. O, was in the room uh, this morning. Pastor is another. Uh, Davy Black and Jean Black were another two, and Ian and Jennifer Litgo were the others. And, uh, you know, they were the authorities in my life uh, at that point when I went and I needed help, and, and in a sense, all the way through and even until today. You know what, authority is such a blessing for us to have. And if we don't have a good relationship with the authorities in our life, you're going to find a struggle in your relationship with God too. Because often what God does is he mirrors what happens in the, uh, in the physical to what happens in the spiritual. And we need to make sure that the leaders and the authorities in your life, that you're in a good standing with them. If you look there with me, um, I'm going to just read a couple of verses out of Matthew for a moment. In, uh, in Matthew 8, uh, 9 and 10, um, there's a guy that's, that's needing some help. And, uh, and Jesus says this, uh, the, the man says, I'm a man under authority, uh, having soldiers under me, you'll know who that is. And I say unto this man, go, and he goeth, another come, and he cometh, and to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. And in verse 10 of chapter 8, And when Jesus heard it, he marveled, and he said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found such great faith, not so, uh, in Israel. Do you know that we need to understand authority and God's authority in our lives? You know what, we need to understand who God has placed in our lives, and, and we need to make sure that we understand that God has placed people in our lives to help us. We don't have to just go it alone. We don't have to just make every decision ourselves. You can get good godly counsel about decisions. You can go to God and ask God for wisdom and guidance on certain decisions that you're making. You know, here's a man we're going to look at, Abraham, uh, on your slide there, Genesis 22. And, you know, the Bible's full of examples, but uh, Abraham's obedience 
obedience to God when God told him to sacrifice uh, Isaac. And we talked about it earlier. You know what? Uh, what a difficult day that must have been. What a trial. What a challenge that must have been. Look at the verses there. Look at verse 2. And he said, uh, Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee to the land of Myra, and say, and offer him uh, there for a burnt offering upon one, uh, upon one of the mountains, which I shall tell thee. So God's telling him what to do. He's going to tell him where he needs to go. And Abraham rose up in the morning, saddled his ass, and he took uh, two of his young men with him, that's two of his servants with him, and Isaac his son, and clave uh, the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up, and he went to the place which God had told him. So what did Abraham do? Abraham just obeyed. He didn't really understand what he was doing. He didn't even understand, you know, that God was going to stop him from doing it. Maybe he thought God was just going to raise the kid from the dead or whatever he was going to do. But he knew there was a promise that Isaac was going to be uh, in the lineage uh, that going forward, he was going to be part of the promise. And you know what? Abraham just went and done what God told him to do. What a challenge. And you know what? We talked about Moses earlier. What about Moses in the Red Sea? You know what? And if you read Exodus 14, for time's sake, we're not going to do that this morning. But Moses, you know what? Moses was one of them reluctant leaders at the beginning, but he grew into being a great leader. But in his early times, you know, he was just getting going. And when you're new to leadership and you're new to authority in a sense, it can be difficult. You can be unsure of what you should do. And here he has a bunch of people that didn't really trust him too much, but they had seen God move mightily in the, in the, in the, um, in the plagues that God had sent. But yet they were now at a crossroads. They, were, they hit the Red Sea. The Egyptian army were chasing them down, going to kill them. And now they're panicking. They've no escape. And Moses basically says to God, well, what's going to happen here? What are you going to do? And you know what? God tells him, lift up the rod. Now, Moses could have shouted out to God, God, what about handing me, getting me some boats or something like that? You know, we could do with some boats here to cross the sea. But no, God was going to make the children of Israel walk through the Red Sea on dry ground. Something that had never, ever, ever happened. Could not physically happen. It was God going to do the miraculous to get his people to freedom and to save his people from the, Israel, uh, the Egyptians uh, to show his strength and his power in their, in their lives. You know what? Moses, what a powerful example he is. What about Elijah and the healing of Nahum? And he was required to go wash in the river um, seven times. And he, he, he fought that. He argued at first. But later he gave in and he was healed. You know, in our lives, it's oftentimes when God wants to do something, he's instructing us to uh, maybe make some changes or make some decisions in our lives. And we fight God. We argue. I don't want to do that. Well, what if I do that? And you start looking at the consequences of your decisions. You start counting the cost of making certain decisions. You know what? That's natural to count the cost. But never let the cost hold you back from making the decision of faith that you should do, that you know that God wants you to do. You need to trust him. Let's look at number two. So we need to have a great, good relationship with the authorities in our life. And remember, we need to have that relationship with God in our life, that he can lead us, that when we're reading the scriptures, that God can lead us in them to make changes in our life, that we will obey the authority of scripture in our daily lives. Let's look at key number two. We must worship the Lord with reverence. Well, what does that mean? 
you know, um, we need to make sure that word reverence means to fear or to fall prostrate, fall down, prostrate on the ground. Um, what we need to do is we need to make sure that we, when we come to God, that ultimately we remember who he is. You know what, so often now in churches and in life, God has lost his place from being who he is, and he's kind of just a man upstairs. People aren't sure if he's there. People don't give him credit for his creation. We, we say it was all an accident and it just came from nowhere. You know, people don't give him credit for the changes in their lives. People don't give him credit for the blessings that they have. You know what, we need to make sure that when we come to God, we remember who he is. In Psalm 89 verse 7, the Bible says this. It says, God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of saints and to be had with, uh, held uh, had in reverence of all them that are about him. You know what? We're told to God is to greatly to be feared. Now, you're not going to have too many messages where a pastor's going to go up here and, and tell you, you better fear God. You know, you're not going to have that. But you know what? There needs to be that reverence for who God is. When we come to God, and I know we can't sing and stuff this morning, but when we come into God's presence, whether we're listening to preaching, whether we are uh, doing our devotions at home or whatever we're doing, we need to understand who that person is in God that we are trying to access at that moment. And if it's just we tag God onto our lives at the side, we ultimately forget who he, who he is and you will struggle to enter into his presence. You know what? I find my car journey, so I like driving in my car on my own, okay? Not because I don't want the family, hi family, not because I don't want the family with me, um, but I find my car journeys can be great times for me uh, and God. I find it much easier to pray when I'm driving my car. I find it much easier to sing when I'm in my car. Um, nobody, nobody gives out because they can hear me singing. Um, I just find that place uh, a nice little moment where I can have some moments. Do you ever have some moments with God? You know what? Um, is a really good thing to do. Um, it's just grab a songbook on your own and sing some songs. Probably do it when there's nobody around. But... Uh, you can have some moments with God that you will see your heart just connecting with God. It's very different than even coming into church on your own. And it's just you separating that time and spending that time, in a sense, just looking up and remembering who God is. There's something unreal about it. Let me just tell you that. You know what? God needs to be in his proper place in our lives. Not just that we will do and you will attend church on a Sunday. But God wants his proper place because of who he is in every area of your life. And if he does, you're going to find somebody as big as God makes a huge difference in your life. A huge difference. If somebody as big as God isn't making a difference in your life, there's something wrong. He's too big for that. He's too powerful for that. So we need to make sure that we reverence God. We give him his proper place. If you would look at Matthew on the screen with me uh, for a moment. You know, remember who were coming to meet. And when he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. They followed Jesus. And uh, behold, there came a leper and worshipped uh, worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and he touched him, saying, I will be. Uh, be thou clean and immediately the leprosy was cleansed 
Do you know what that guy came to do? When he came to Jesus, he had a need. And every one of us in this room have needs. We have different needs. And we're not all the same. We're not all at the same, I don't like to say level, but we're not all at the same place in our journey. Some are on it longer than others. It doesn't mean you're any further than the guy that got saved a couple of weeks ago. But we're all at different um, stages in our, in our walk with God. And sometimes that goes up and sometimes that goes down. But let me encourage you. This leper that came, he didn't know that much about God. He couldn't quote any Bible verses to you, but see when he got to God that, that day, he had such a need in his life. He knew it was so important that he could come to the one who could radically change his life. And the Bible says he came and he worshipped him. You have needs and I have needs. You know a good place for us to start is learning how to truly worship God and then come to God with your need. He already knows your need. He's wanting that relationship with you that changes everything in your life. Um, For time's sake, we will go on to the next one. Key number three. Um, Be convinced of Jesus' ability uh, and what you believe. You know, really important that you understand who Jesus is and what he's all about. It's coming up to Christmas. What do we know about Christmas? We point to Jesus as the, the baby. Jesus was never a baby. You say, what? He was never a baby? I've seen all the movies and stuff like that. Jesus was always God. Did he come as a baby? Absolutely. Was he born of a virgin Mary? Absolutely. But he was never just a baby. He was always God. And you need to know whether it's Christmas or whether it's Easter, you understand who Jesus is and how vital and pivotal your relationship with Jesus is. Your relationship and what you do with Jesus determines where you're going to spend eternity. I hope you understand where you stand before Jesus. It's him who will judge you in the end. It's him who will point you back to moments in your life where you heard about Jesus, where you heard the gospel, where you read about it, where you sang about it, if you haven't accepted it. You know what? We need to make sure Jesus has his proper place in our lives. You know what? Um, in Matthew, 8, 20, uh, 20, uh, Matthew 9, 28, it says this. It says, and he was coming to the house, uh, to the blind man came to him and Uh, Jesus said unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this. And they said unto him, Yea, Lord. You know what? A blind man came to him. And Jesus asked the people around the question, Do you think I am able? Now, it's very easy to say, Yes, God is able. Okay? Very very easy to say that. Because you're not standing there blind and you can't see. Not true. Is Jesus able? Everybody's going to say, yeah, I believe he's able. Please try remember that the next time you're in difficulty in your life. Try remember that the next time you're tempted to do the wrong thing. Try remember that when you're, uh, when you're having a moan that it's too cold in church. Try remember to, to do that when, when things are going difficult for you, when you don't know the answer to, to life's difficult questions. Remember, Jesus is able. You know what? Abraham was so convinced that God was able to do what, what he wanted him to do. He was fully convinced of the promise. He never wavered uh, in what he'd done. Look at Romans 4 there with me. Uh, and he started not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded. Are you fully persuaded this morning? 
that he that had uh, promised was able also to perform. And it was, uh, and it was, and therefore it was uh, imputed unto him as righteousness. Are you fully persuaded? You say, Leighton, I'm about halfway. Halfway is not going to be enough. You have to be fully persuaded. And if you're not, you need to get there. Whatever that means, whatever that takes for you, you need to get fully persuaded. You need to get to the place where no matter what, no matter if there's penguins and you know, snow on the ground in here, you're fully persuaded God would want you to be here in church. That when it comes to your tithing, you're fully persuaded God wants you to give. That when it comes to you making decisions of getting victory over sin, that you're fully persuaded that God is able to help you. You know, when it comes to salvation, that you're fully persuaded that he is the only way. And that you have come to him for salvation. Let's look at Genesis for a minute. And on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide here with the asses, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come to you again. What did Abraham do? Before he had to get to the place where he had to have this great faith. You know what he done? He worshipped. Look at verse 8. And Abraham said, My son, God will provide him a lamb for the burnt offering. So they went, uh, both went together. You know what? Um, Abraham was fully persuaded that God was going to uh, deal with the situation and everything was going to be okay. He didn't know how it was going to work out. He just knew God could be trusted to make everything okay. Let's look at number four. Leighton better start speaking a little bit quicker, I think. Uh, press uh, in regards, uh, regardless of the, of the obstacles in your life. You know what? Look at the, the woman with the issue of blood. Uh, what a story that is. Uh, look at verse 45 of Luke 8. And Jesus said, Who touched me? And when all denied Peter uh, and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude thronged thee and pressed thee and sayest thou who touched me? Pastor preaching this uh, only a short time ago. You know what? This woman, even though she was in a difficult situation, she had a difficult problem uh, that she couldn't overcome on her own. You know what? Even though um, she was in trouble and even though there was stuff in her way, she didn't let what was in her way stop her. Let me encourage you. Whatever it takes, don't give up. Whatever it takes, don't lose heart. Keep going. You know what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, 4 8. He says, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. You know what? Paul knew who God was, even in the most heinous things that were done to him. You know what? If, if me or you went through what the Apostle Paul went through, we would have gave up long ago. I know I would. Definitely. If the men's homes are stoning me and all that kind of stuff and beating me and whipping me, they wouldn't dare just say, no, don't get any ideas. Um, but I would be gone. I would say, I've had enough of this. I don't need this hassle in my life. But you know what Paul was able to do by faith? He was able to look and go, there's something more important. You know why? Because he, he was looking at the end, not what he was going through. He was looking at the outcome and not the challenges of the day. We need to look beyond the challenges and trials and difficulties of the day. In verse 16 it says, For which cause we faint not, though our outward man perish, yet our inward man is renewed day by day. You know what? It's not just about all that's happening on the outside. God's wanting to do something real on the inside. Yeah, let's go quickly. Show boldness in the midst of unbelief and mockery. You know what you're going to find if you're a Christian and you actually live for God? You know what? You're going to find sometimes 
people don't understand your faith and don't understand why you won't do stuff and don't understand why you won't uh, you know, get involved in the jokes or don't understand why you won't go to certain places wherever it might be. In Matthew 9.24, uh, he said, uh, give a place in the midst of, uh, and the maid is not dead, but she sleepeth. And the Bible says, and they all laughed him to scorn. Even Jesus was mocked at times. They laughed at him. Why? Because he was going into a room where there was the, the, the young girl was dead. And he's saying she's not dead. And they're all laughing at him. They're saying, that, you know what, you just need to give up on this one. Go find something that's a bit easier. But Jesus carried on. He carried on and pressed on. Look at verse 25. But when the people put, uh, were put forth, he went in and took her by the hand, and the maid arose. And the frame uh, thereof went abroad onto, uh, onto all that land. You know what? Sometimes God allows difficulties because he's looking for glory in the situation. And he might be wanting to use your difficulties to help somebody else. You say, I don't want the difficulties if that's what it's all about. You know what? Helps you and then you go help somebody else. Let me move on to number six. Um, Be persistent in humility. You know what? Make sure you understand. Stay humble. Keep going back to God. Don't give up. In Matthew 15, 27, um, we're not going to read the whole story, but in, in Matthew, in this story, um, you have the woman, and she's the Gentile woman, and she's coming to Jesus, and she's looking, uh, she's looking for stuff. Look down at verse 27 and 28. Because Jesus said in verse 26, uh, it is not me to give uh, to take the children's bread and cast at the dogs. And she, she just continued to plead her case to be humble. Uh, she didn't know, she didn't react to it. She just kept going. And, he, and she said of a truth, Lord, recognizing who he was, yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. She made sure she understood that Jesus was the master. And Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, Great is thou, uh, thy faith uh, beyond to thee all that thou wilt. What did God do? God answered her prayer because she kept going. She didn't give up. Sometimes we think, you know what? If the answer hasn't come in a week or two, we, we're going to have to give up. It's not so. Keep going. And the last one, and, and we are done. Confess uh, and act upon your faith. You know what? If you have stuff in your life that you need to get right, I would just encourage you to get it right. Don't linger, don't wait. There's no point in waiting. If there's stuff in your life that you need to confess, go, go confess and get right. Um, I want you to look at James there for me for a minute. And in James 2.20, James is a real interesting book. It uh, talks a lot about the tongue, so uh, really valuable up in the men's home. Uh, you know, most of the men throughout the program will have to write out the book of James, okay? Uh, word for word, every full stop, every comma, um, every, all that kind of stuff. Why? Because it gives you some great examples and insight and wisdom and counsel on the tongue. And uh, it, got, it says a lot of other stuff too. What it says is, you can't just have faith and that faith not affect how you live and what you do. Let's look at the verses. Look at verse 20. But, if thou, uh, but wilt thou know, O vain man, that without faith works are dead? Um... Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he had offered Isaac, uh, his son, upon the altar? Seest thou how uh, faith raw with works, um, raw with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? You know, the idea being that our faith will dictate in our lives how we live. And that's really important. 
you know, uh, it will produce a trust in God on the most difficult of days. And in my life and in your life, we need to understand that God is able. He's able to grow your faith. And the things that the people that we looked at as examples in the Bible that they went through, you know what? You don't have the faith to go through them at this moment. But if God foresaw and God placed you in that situation, you know what he'd be able to do? He'd be able to give you the faith to go through it. So whatever's going to be coming your way or my way, do you know what I can guarantee this morning? That he is able. That he is able not only to help you to have the faith to go through it, but going through it, he's able to keep you from falling. That he's able to sustain you in your faith. That he's able to work in your life to the place where, like no other can, God can keep you free from whatever the difficulties are in your life. Keep you from the temptation, dragging you back to that old way of living. You know what? The just shall live by faith. This morning, let me ask you, where are you in your faith with God this morning? Are you born again? Are you saved? Have you come to that place where you've trusted Jesus Christ and him alone as your saviour? If you haven't come to that place, uh, that's, the, that's the very beginning that you need to start that. But Christian, if you have and you're saved this morning, uh, you know, what's your view of God in your life right now? And how does your life demonstrate to the world around you what you believe and think about God? Does your view of God affect how you live, affect how you speak, affect what you do with your time, affect the friends that you're willing to have, have around you? Affect what you do with the time God has given you. Let me encourage you. If you're not involved in uh, ministry, if you're not involved in getting, in a sense, not been used by God, God can use you anywhere you are. But if you're not actively involved in ministry, actively involved in the church, actively involved using your faith, let me encourage you. We need to take some steps forward, I believe, in our lives to start being, have our faith being used uh, in our lives. Because God didn't just save you and keep you here on earth until you get to heaven. God has a job for you. God has stuff he needs you to do that nobody else can do. But are you willing? He's always able. The question is, are we willing to walk with God and trust him by faith? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for your great love for us. What a blessing it is, Lord, to be able to, to know you, to have a God who is able to meet our needs, that, that, that knows our difficulties, who went through exactly what we go through, yet was victorious. So, Lord, we're asking, oh God, that you would build our faith, that you would challenge our faith. And, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would store people. If there's anybody in here this morning that's not saved, Lord, you bring them to that place where they will trust you as their Savior. The most important transaction of faith uh, in their lives would be that moment where they trust you. But, Lord, for us Christians that are in the room, would you help us to walk by faith, to live by faith? And Lord, would you help others to see that we are people of faith by the way we live, by what we do, by the love that we show, and Lord, how we respond to the lost world around us, we pray. Lord, encourage our hearts, encourage us, give us a blessed week, we pray again for Pastor, give him healing and help, and encourage his heart to stay, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.